Welcome back, everyone, to our HHW LOD Podcast Network special. Today, we're talking about Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith. And back with me are Craig and Jim. Hey, guys. Hey, hey. You're taking me down a path I cannot follow. <laughs> I didn't bring appropriate <laughs> shoes. <laughs> and joined with us this time, thankfully so for, for some more voices, are uh, Mr. Jordan from Jersey from our Do- Walking Dead TV podcast. Execute Order 66. <laughs> that was good. That was good. And podcaster extraordinaire, who you can also hear on the DC TV podcast, as well as a ton of other podcasts on the Taylor of Network podcast, Mr. Daryl Taylor himself. Hello. Hey. Yeah, Daryl, Daryl, sorry for the uh, miscommunication, but we're actually here to tell you, you may have a podcasting problem. I can't stop. <laughs> no, it's an intervention for your spaghetti addiction. Man. You got a yes. giant small monkey stop. on your back. and no, no, no. <laughs> Daryl, we all we all care about you. We're all afraid you're having too much pasta. So if they put a movie if they put a movie theater inside an Italian restaurant, we'll never see you again. Well, it's the one <laughs> Italian restaurant done. that's a special favorite Italian restaurant. John's, I think it's called. Yeah, John's John of the Twelve. John's of the Twelve. Oh, yeah. that's wonderful. It's gotta be that one. But yeah. They, if they put a movie theater in there, you'd probably never leave. Oh, the best <laughs> food ever. Where, where is that, Daryl? In, in New York? Yeah, it's uh right in the city. It's it's not that far from Union Square. Oh, Union Square, okay. Mm-hmm. Sure. Oh, it's beautiful. He doesn't want to give out the location. Have too many. Yeah, you see that? No, he doesn't want to share. Man. <laughs> I'm trying to get a tip for a nice Italian restaurant it's right across the river. I can go over there, but you know, I guess okay. He doesn't. He wants to make sure his, he has all the meatballs. I'll <laughs> slide you the address later. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, Daryl. Whatever. Thank you. Going. Here we are, episode three. So we've we've done the previous two. So May 19th, 2005, only 10 years ago, or I should say, holy cow, it's been 10 years since we last saw a Star Wars movie. Wow. Yeah. What, uh, so kind of like what, what we've done with these episodes, we'll talk more about kind of what was going on, where we were, where we saw it, you know, you know, everything leading up to it. Um, and so the three of us have yammered on uh, for a couple episodes talking about where, what was going on when we were seeing them so so daryl in 2005 what it did were you like uh did you get your tickets in advance you know what you know when the trailer came out what was what was kind of going on in in your world at the time what 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 were you what what was going on i was working in the city and i was on 42nd street so i we had to run down like i think we ran to the box office on lunchtime and then bought the tickets, and then we got the 12, 12 a.m. tickets, and then went back to work. And then after that, left. Uh, me and uh, my uh, girl I was seeing at the time, we hung out for a while, and we were trying to kill time, and then we had to wait on a long-ass line um, waiting to get in. Oh, I, I, I wish that they had the, the seating. The uh, those were dark pre- times. They were dark times. You <laughs> couldn't call ahead. You couldn't. You couldn't reserve tickets. You had to go there. You had to get them. Um, and then I remember we, we just were just killing time. And just I just remember being so excited. She was kind of excited because she was a Star Wars fan as well. Um, and I just remember we we just could not wait to get there. And then my other friend uh, and her boyfriend were coming. And I remember 
it was weird because I remember I was introducing my girlfriend to my to one of my closest friends, and then they didn't really like each other. <laughs> oh no! So I felt the I felt the Sith Lord just over me <laughs> as the two girls just looked at each other with hate. <laughs> I remember that, and I and then I remember <laughs> I remember seeing the movie and saying, "No, it's great. It's got to be great." And then. <laughs> And then the uh, they started doing this whole thing with the Trade Federation, and I was like, "What's going on? And what's happening? <laughs> what is happening with my Star Wars movie?" And then uh, I remember we watched the whole movie. I remember ke- I kept saying, "Maybe if I see it again, it'll be better." Uh, you know, like it, it's got to it's got to be better. It's just it's just me. It's just me because two hours of pod racing is all I remembered <laughs> from that night. Um, and then, and then it, you know, it, it was the movie that I thought I saw. And then the attack of the clones came and I didn't think Phantom Menace was too bad. <laughs> attack of the clones. It was not that, uh, not that terrible. Um, and it was, it, it was rough. I remember reading, you know, like, um, they didn't have too much with the internet. So I remember reading like uh, a couple of interviews here and there in Madden newspaper or whatever. Um, for the Sith, I I read a couple of the books. Like I remember there was a Grievous book. So I knew he wasn't a android. But in the movie, he looked like an android. Um, even rewatching it, I think, uh, uh, rewatching it with, with a friend of mine, she looked at it and she said she thought he was a, a robot or something because it's not really explained in the movie. But I remember um, in the book, they did a whole thing about Anakin and and um, Obi-Wan's style of sword fighting. Like everyone had different kinds of fighting with their lightsabers yeah. and some were to attack some mace windu was chaotic you could never uh you couldn't see where his strikes would go because he his his style was a chaotic style um anakin's and his were kind of like a defensive style that could attack at times and i think i forgot what they said yoda's was and they were just talking about how they're, you know, like they would be in sync when they fought. Um, like the book really did a lot to explain. And then you watch the movie and and it was like the book was an entirely different thing. Because that was the, the problem. I, I had, one of the problems I kind of had with the Clone Wars cartoon is like they spent so much time developing the relationship between those characters mm-hmm. in the Clone Wars cartoon, which happens between two and three. And then you see them in three and they're just like alienated from one another. They're just like. Immediately distrustful because you know they don't, the Jedi don't trust Palpatine, so they don't trust Anakin by extension, and all the other stuff. I will say though, Revenge had the best like opening of the three movies. Like, yeah, that's oh, yeah. totally did. Scene. No doubt, totally mm-hmm. did. I remember when we went to go see Revenge of the Sith very distinctly because it was the night I actually got reviewed um, at Gypsy, um, our first big review by like one of the major papers here in Pittsburgh. We'd been open for just over a year. Because uh, we opened in 2004. And I remember that night very distinctly because all I was worried about was like getting this food to this critic because they ordered like five different entrees among the group so you could try them all and everything. And just I, I knew when he was coming, I knew what he was getting and all this other stuff. And like I was so concentrated and focused on that. And then my sous chef is like, crap, we have to go get tickets. And I was like, tickets for what? And he goes, Revenge of the Sith. So I sent my dishwasher 
uh, down the road to get tickets for us. And then he came back with uh, midnight tickets. Uh, we we really couldn't gauge what was going on with the reviews or whatever, but we uh, went to the midnight showing of Revenge of the Sith, and the next morning the Sunday paper came out, and uh, I got to read the review, and it was a glow. We got like three out of five stars, so three and a half out of five stars. So I was happy with that. But I remember that night really well because we were so tense about having this big you know, newspaper reviewer in the restaurant, and then uh, it I totally slipped my mind that Revenge of the Sith was coming. I'm pretty sure I went to a midnight showing, too. I was still living in Chicago back at the time. Um, I don't think I went to extraordinary lengths to get tickets, though. I think I probably went you know, maybe the day before, got tickets at the box office or something like that. Um, and it wasn't even at a special theater. Like I saw Attack of the Clones at the digital special digital presentation theater, and I had to go into the city to see it there. I went to my local like 20-screen multiplex where I was living, uh, and it was – you know I, I just – I wanted to see it, but I wasn't going crazy to see this one. And as Jim said, the opening scenes were really great. At that point, I'm like, wow, they really tightened this up. After the third movie, they're finally getting it where the CG was just even markedly improved from the from the second movie. I mean, that whole opening scene with the, with the space battle and all that was just really good. Um, you know, I'll get into my review of the rest of the movie, I guess, in a little bit. But I, it was definitely a good start. And... I had my expectations were again, I guess, pretty lowered from the first two, so I wasn't going in there expecting anything really good. But overall, this movie was pretty good despite itself. I'm going to say that. I just rewatched it a couple of nights ago, so I have a fresh. It's fresh on my mind right now, and it's not as bad as I think people remember it as. I'll, I'll say that and save the rest of my comments as we continue. <laughs> I will say it's the best of the three, but that's like you know declaring someone the world's tallest midget. That's kind of a you know, dubious honor. <laughs> um, pretty much but yeah of the of the three prequel movies I definitely say it's, it's the best yeah I remember I went to go see it I definitely went to a midnight showing the night it came out uh, my friend John who's actually been on uh, Jersey Shore a few times he and his family their church which is a pretty big church in New Jersey was doing like a youth group thing to go see it at midnight and his brother and him and his sister they all got tickets and then his brother couldn't go and so he invited me to come out. So I actually went with this huge church group, which was a strange experience. But they had a whole big like Star Wars thing at the church beforehand with like uh, Star Wars trivia and different snacks and stuff. And me, a big Star Wars fan, went, oh, I'll, I'll do the trivia thing. And I got selected. I was one of the people they brought up on stage. And they were doing – you know like that game Seen It? They were doing Seen It Star Wars edition. It was a brand new edition that had just come out. And I think I was the last person to go out of like four or five people. And I forget what the prizes were. It was probably like action figures or something. But, you know, so I'm the last person to go and I see all the questions that go before me. I'm like, I know the answer to that one. I know the answer to that one. I know the answer to that one. I had all the answers. And then they got to mine and the question was, they, they played a section of dialogue and it was, who is this dialogue being said to? And I went, I have no, I hadn't heard this dialogue before. Turns out it was a scene from Revenge of the Sith, which we wouldn't be able to see for another two hours or so. So needless to say, I got that one wrong, but uh, we, we saw it, I think in Philly, we drove over to, and uh, it, it, I agree with, with what you guys are saying. It's it's definitely the best of the prequels, but I actually like it quite a bit even beyond that. I actually like Revenge better than I do Return of the Jedi, which I, it's, I'd say it's close, but I, I don't love Return of the Jedi, and I don't love this one either, but they're kind of the, the two in the middle ground between the prequels and the original trilogy for me. It's fair. So to catch us up real quick, like we're for episode one and two, did you see them both in the theater? Did you see them after the fact? Like what, you know, do you remember 
kind of because you you were not around for the original trilogy. Um, <laughs> right. I did see the special edition <laughs> of A New Hope in theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I remember for for the Phantom Menace, you know, I had I had seen the original trilogy by that point in the wrong order. I think I saw uh, four, six, five, which is I, I don't know exactly how it ended up being that way, but whatever. And it was on VHS, you know, that kind of stuff. But yeah, the baby. action figures had started coming out, and I played some of the video games, and I'd read a bunch of the books. I was super excited for Star Wars, and I don't think we saw it opening night. We definitely didn't see it at a midnight showing, but it was probably opening weekend, and we were out in Berwick, Pennsylvania, visiting my dad's sister and uh, her family. So I don't recall exactly where we went, but there's a 50% chance we actually headed out to uh, uh, Ken Morgan's neck of the woods to Scranton. Or to Bloomsburg, because those are like the two nearest actual towns near Berwick. Um, so I either, I either saw it right by him. Uh, theoretically, we were in the same theater. How, wouldn't that be weird? Like 15 years before the fact? Yes. Um, <laughs> or in Bloomsburg. But, uh, and I was young enough. It was, Phantom Menace was what, 99? Yeah. So I would have been 12, you know, 11 or 12, depending on, I forget exactly what time of the year it came out. I was young enough that at the time I really liked it. I had no problem with Jar Jar. I liked the pod. I, honestly, I think the pod racing was the one thing I didn't like. I thought it was really slow and boring. Um, but it, it wasn't until later when I came to appreciate that it wasn't as good as I remembered, but it's still, I don't hate it. I do hate. <laughs> Uh, Attack of the Clones. I definitely saw that at a midnight showing. I saw it at least twice in theaters. I, I find that movie to be boring and just yeah. a slog to get through. You know, there's a few, you know, uh, it, even in the worst movies, there's a few things here and there that's like, oh, that's actually pretty cool. This character design, that sound cue, that lightsaber, whatever. But, you know, Phantom Menace, I kind of remember as just being, like, I, I don't even have anything to say about it. Like, it's okay. There's some good things. There's some bad things, but I, generally it doesn't even like ping the radar for me. Two, I despise, and three, I kind of like actually quite a bit. So that is so weird that uh, rewatching it recently, a couple weeks ago, I rewatched all of the prequels, well, all the movies, and I realized how much I didn't like Attack of the Clones more than Phantom. And it back then I thought. I liked Phantom less than I did Attack of the Clones, but I just realized <laughs> how badly paced it was. Yeah, I'm right was, there with you. It's it's just yeah, so yeah. long and the the, the the frolicking in the field oh. stuff and all that kind of stuff in the middle, which yeah. as a kid I didn't like because, oh, whatever, romance. But as an adult, I don't like because it's a terrible romance. <laughs> like, I had it with that terrible dialogue. Just, oh, yeah. <clears throat> He hates sand. It gets everywhere. It's coarse. Whatever. I get it. I wish I could yeah. wish these feelings away. No, you can't think of me that way, Annie, as I stand in front of you with this bondage wear in front of this fireplace <laughs> alone in a dark room. Oh, see, no. that's one of the few things I do like in the movie is that outfit. That's but, like um, one of well, yeah, yeah, the Hubba. And the Leia outfit. But, uh, like, the things that the Phantom Menace got wrong, I felt like Attack of the Clones got even wronger. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so for this one, I, I didn't go at midnight. Um, at this point, we'd moved from Houston to Luling, so we were out in the in the hinterlands in the country. And my son, when we moved to Luling, my son stayed in Houston, and so my daughter was with us. So my son and his soon-to-be wife drove up, um, and we drove to Austin to see the movie. We didn't; it was during the day, so it was like a two o'clock show or something like that. We ended up going to. 
and we saw it at a digital it was there was only a couple digital projection theaters in Austin so we went to the theater that had it digitally projected and so in 2005 you know Fandango existed you know places you could buy tickets online existed mm-hmm. so uh I was able to to buy tickets online and get them uh ahead of time and then and then we just you know drove up and saw it and it was it was packed but it wasn't like crazy packed i mean the one good thing is school had been out already at that point and so you know austin when when ut is out for for session you know things get a little more calm uh you know kids go home and and whatnot so it wasn't it wasn't too crazy uh but but it's funny how we went from 2002 like we talked about last time when it, if you wanted to find a digital uh, projection or a digital version of this. A, it didn't. It, it they didn't come out right when the movie came out. Yep. But B, you had to really hunt to find one. I mean, if your yeah. state may have had a digital projection in it at that time, uh, you know, and if you lived kind of in the in middle America, you know, it was kind of good luck. Um, but there were two. You know, but here we go. Fast forward to two thousand five, and it really wasn't quite as difficult to find a digitally projected theater you know, ticketing stuff was online. It's, mm-hmm. it's amazing how just in a three year span, how big of a shift, you know, between with the internet and, and, you know, the technology, how, how much we came in such a short period of time. Yeah, it's still yeah, I was no so underwhelmed with the digital projection uh, that uh, attack of the clones had. And I sought that out and I went to the city. I didn't bother for this one. I'm like, it, it didn't, it didn't seem that much clearer to me or that much brighter or, or more beautiful than the film version i didn't go crazy looking for the digital version of, of this movie and i didn't have a problem with the crowds either it was weird because it i, re, I do remember it not being that crowded or hard to get tickets because i was i had just gotten married that summer before that so i was a newlywed and i remember taking my wife's son to see it because he was really excited about it and the game had just been released they had a revenge of the sith game where you played the entire movie, like wow. it spoiled everything. You could, you did everything from getting into the ship, uh, fighting um, uh, Dooku, the whole thing, rescuing and uh, the, you know the Chancellor, fighting uh, Grievous. Even at the end, the game turns and you fight each other as uh, Anakin and, and, and uh, Obi-Wan. So I remember a lot of it was kind of spoiled. It didn't, didn't even, wasn't even a surprise when I went to see it, but I know I was excited to see it because it looked better because the, the uh, they had more trailers. They were easy to see now. Um, and it, it had a lot of, well, it, it appeared to have a lot of Jedi fighting. So it looked a lot better. It's funny you bring up the spoiling. Cause I, I don't know, for sure about Attack of the Clones. I think so, but definitely for Revenge of the Sith. I read the novelizations of those movies before I went to see them because those novelizations came out like a week or two before the, the movies did. Yeah. I, I don't know why, but yeah, I, I definitely read all those. And I think I've read at this, I've read the novelizations of all the movies. Um, but definitely this one before I actually saw it. And, uh, I, I don't know if that helps or hurts my, uh, my respect for the movie. But uh, I definitely did it. It helped with Grievous because it, it, if I had just watched Grievous, I would have thought he was uh, just another one of the droids. Like I, he, they never yeah. explain him. Yeah, I had to watch the movie a few times to figure him out, and then you, you kind of do after you see it a couple times. He's 
obvious obvious foreshadowing of what Darth Vader is going to become, mm-hmm. the technology of a wounded or uh, amputated person or alien or being melded with droid technology and you know so obviously that was foreshadowing i mean it, it but it wasn't clear right, his history definitely wasn't spelled out uh and the coughing was kind of odd you know why is this guy coughing all the time it just it, it definitely seems strange although well, he was kind of formidable remind me his portions mm-hmm. of of tartevsky's clone wars had that come out before revenge yeah or was that, that came out between the two yeah. movies that came out about the time the second movie came out okay because yeah, I, I knew right. i knew I knew something about episodes. him beyond the novelization yeah and they were Grievous, such a Grievous sequence. was incredible in that cartoon, by the way. In yeah, he was better. Cartoon, he and was in much the, more of a badass. In the book, there was such a uh, there was a, uh, a sequence where they were bombing a train. I remember reading it and thinking, "Why wouldn't you put that in the movie?" Because there was a scene where it's, it's Windu, Mace Windu, and a bunch of the other Jedi running to save this train that Grievous is trying to destroy and it was like to, all silent think, right and and yes. and he while he's running there's a scene where he force speeds and he jumps mm-hmm. and he strikes uh grievous in the chest which uh kind of destroys his heart and that's the the hit mm-hmm. uh he does it with a force kind of like uses the force when he does the hit and it was so dramatic reading it and i was like i just wish i just assumed it would be in the movie somewhere or a flashback or something and uh, i'm like that was such a good a well-written scene to have I, I mean why wouldn't you have it why wouldn't you tell us that he got hurt from mace window you could have did a whole thing with that of 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 doing that in the other movie like why didn't you put that in the attack of the clones you could have had you know like some kind of thing where it could have been a uh, him wanting to get revenge and 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 that's why he's going after the Jedi and you see the the uh, lightsabers and all that kind of stuff. But they just give you nothing with him. He just they just throw him in in the movies like he's been in all of them. You know, no uh, I was watching I was watching the behind the scenes. Uh, not only did I watch the DVD, I watched the behind all the documentaries, and it seems like George Lucas with this one in particular was rewriting the movie right up until the day they were shooting it. There was constant rewrites of each scene. He didn't even pick the look of General Grievous until right before they actually had to. Like they had these fake animatics, they called them, I guess. They were like these pre-CG scenes, these mock-up things. I mean, he didn't. He he kept changing things and altering them right up until the end of the movie. And that could be why Grievous just didn't make it as much as we probably thought he would. I, I wonder if he just kept feeling the uh, dissatisfaction from the from us the fans about the movies he and he and he kept uh, it made him a little bit more uh nervous trying to make this movie the the best that it can be for him he kept well, second I mean, guessing in, himself yeah yeah in the context of the original films this is kind of the most important of the three mm-hmm. you know, i mean sure. we actually see the fall you know the turning of darth vader we get to see you know how he got you know the the fight that's referenced to, to in the original trailer um trilogy between obi-wan and he i mean those those notes had to be in this movie and then right. some of the other stuff just seemed kind of like there to give Obi-Wan something to do while Anakin was doing all this. You know what I mean? It's like they kind of threw him grievous so Anakin could go on, you know, his you know, dark side journey or whatever and keep him busy <laughs> while, while that was going on. I don't know. It just it seemed like, you know, he had like a, a checklist of things he wanted to hit and he hit those. 
but at the expense of like you know making a you know really great film like the original three or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that you know that that was the biggest thing with this one. You know, we talk about um, maybe a little more heightened, um, you know, expectations or a little more heightened, you know, sense of wanting to go see it is because we were like, this is where this is it. Like this is you know because they played it so slow. Like we didn't see the turn in the first one. We didn't see the turn mm-hmm. in the second one. So we're like, okay, we've got to see the turn in this one. And then we see right. the trailer, and they show Vader in the trailer. So we're like, okay, is this going to be like the last scene? No. Is yeah. <laughs> is it going to be that the, the trailer? Um, remember no, the advisory no. about when the when he uh, kills the Jedi children? Remember, mm-hmm. there's an advisory. They were they were doing that in in the news. Yeah. When they were saying, if you're taking kids to see this, it's a very uh, it's a graphic scene. And I was like, graphic scene, and I'm watching the movie, and Nothing. I'm waiting because I'm like, all right, I got to take my, you know, I got to tell my step. For all you know, he went in there and made s'mores with those kids. Yeah. You know what I mean? For all you know, he <laughs> yes. went in there and read them some Dr. Seuss because he walks in, he turns on his lightsaber, and the door shuts yeah. behind him. Okay, and you see, you know, them he could be in there singing "Kubaya" or whatever. You know, he could yeah. have to have killed them all, but. Well, they're laying down, but they look like they're taking a nap. You can even see one yeah. of them breathing. Like, you, yeah. <laughs> my stepson was like, he's still alive. I see him. He's right there. He's- I, I, the Count Dooku scene was more graphic with yeah. him being yeah. beheaded. Yeah. Much more graphic. Yeah. I mean, you see his hands cut off and his head cut off and all laying there in a pile next to. I mean that that would be if anything more graphic than the youngling scene with yeah. You just, I think it's just turns tone. on the lightsaber and that's it. You know, it's it's tone. I mean, that's a pretty dark turn. I mean. Even though we don't see it, it's implied. And, you know, somebody coming in and killing a bunch of children is, I mean, that that's a pretty dark turn for a Star Wars movie. I mean, you, you know. But you made a great point in the, the first uh, the first uh, of these podcasts, Russ, and I would, I'd like to hit that again on this, if you don't mind. You know, you were saying if they had started, if they had the same actor for all three movies, then maybe we could have seen the gradual turn. Right. You know, of of uh, from Anakin to yeah, Vader. Yeah. You know what I mean? We could have been sympathetic to Anakin and then understood why he turned to the dark side, as mm-hmm. opposed to what we got with Jake Lloyd and then Hayden Christensen. You know, in the second movie, not so much. You know, turning there was like the bit with the sand people and everything, but like it really didn't seem like that was you know his his fall down the dark path. And then it all kind of all gets uh, all of what should have been progressing through all three of those movies kind of got smushed into this one. Yeah, you know, with Anakin being distrusted by the Jedi, and then mm-hmm. like, um, you know, turning to the dark side and killing kids, all in the space of one movie, you know. And there's no reaction from any other characters to him murdering an entire village of beings, like, right. he, yeah, like her being a, a champion of all living things in the first one, and for him to tell her, it's one thing. I know they were her parent, you know, it was his mother, and and they did torture. Who knows what they did to the mother, right? Um, to kill the guys that did it, I could see she'd not be upset. But to go, I killed the women and the children. I killed them all. Yeah. And for her to just not even discuss it with him, it was just so weird. It was like, are you both having the same conversation? Yeah, and again, mm-hmm. I think it just speaks to needing someone to script doctor this thing for dialogue. And I mean, mm-hmm. the, the third one there's some pretty clunky stuff in here. I mean, there's some, there's some, I thought of all three, and we talked about this a little bit before too, but I thought Ewan McGregor's performance as Obi-Wan was 
pretty spot on in this one. I mean, mm-hmm. he had a lot of charisma. He yeah. had he delivered his lines almost kind of like a Harrison Ford, you know, where he felt comfortable. Yeah, more comfortable in this one. Yeah, he may have had some crappy dialogue, but he did the best with it, and he he was able to kind of pull it off and and make it sound believable and and had some heart behind it. Um, I, I didn't get that as much from. You know, obviously from from Hayden Christensen, um, and the Emperor at times was like genius. Like Ian McDermott's performance at times were just like utter genius. You know, when he's going through that whole bit it, when they're at the ballet or whatever that is, the opera, and he's given that speech. Um, but then there's you know some of that some of that dialogue, especially when you know Mace Windu and the Jedi come to arrest him. Oh, that's him. the scene I was thinking of while you said that. Yeah, some of that is just like really bad. And he's like, yeah, like he's like, no, no, and you no. know, like, to take the toy away what killed me was why didn't you just take a reporter robot with you? Yeah, when you <laughs> yes. went to arrest him, and that would have solved the whole thing. Yeah. Well, and and, and then the whole, I, I mean, that's that's one of the things in in the movie that really, when I rewatched it, I was I was trying to you know be a little less critical and just see because it's been a bit since I've watched it, um, and. Man, the lightsaber fighting, like, okay, three Jedi come, uh, Mm -hmm. four Jedi come to to arrest the Chancellor. Masters, some of them were masters. Yeah, they're all all on the council. council. I mean, one of them was Kit Fisto. Yeah. Yeah. One of them's Mace Windu, who's supposed to be, like, the best lightsaber fighter. Well, he did win the fight. Like, he, 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 he survived it, but the other three get, like, two of them get cut down in, like, half a second, and you're like, wait a minute, what, what, and... And he, it wasn't even like he was masterful in his move. Like it wasn't like the emperor did some crazy voodoo stuff. Like I mean, he just kind of like spun around and swung, and these guys are like, oh, and they're going. It down. wasn't cut well. I, I noticed that yeah. too. Like watching it, even watching it again recently, it yeah. just wasn't. The scene wasn't cut very no. well. It was like, what did he just do? It looked like he was a little kid. He ran up and hit him with a bat. Yeah. And, and then ran away and hit like the other. Him on the, it looks like they put him on a spindle or something. He's like yes. spinning around. Like he did that M. Bison dude. Street Fighter spinning right. move and just kind of <laughs> spun across the room and got him all. Even that was okay. Cool. The problem, like for him, when they did the close-up stuff, it was super mm-hmm. clunky. And you right. you contrast that with, with um, Christopher Lee, much older, um, much less able to physically perform than even Ian McDermott came in. I mean, Christopher Lee was kind of, you know, he was, he was getting. I mean, he was probably what in his early eighties at that point. I mean, yeah, Frank was saying that made a good point at the last uh, podcast about he was saying in the extra features Christopher Lee was like, this is the most extensive sword fight I've been involved in. I say involved right. in in that they're putting my face on yeah. digitally on someone else's body. Yeah. And right. that's true. The same thing with but, with with this Ian McDermott. Uh, they, he didn't really do a lot of those moves. Sure. His face was painted on somebody else because they, yeah. they even George Lucas said in some of the behind the scenes these actors are a little bit older and they can't move as fast as we need them to. So we're going to take a sword fighter stunt person and paint the face of McDermott on afterwards, which is probably what they did. And that was fine. That's why the shots look so goofy. I bet uh, the fast moving stuff to me was fine. It's it's the clo- like you look at, at what Christopher Lee did with the close up stuff. And I right. thought he played it off very well. Like it was believable that the person they cut to when they did the crazy stuff was the same person that was doing the close-up stuff. If that makes sense, with Ian McDermott, like the close-up stuff and the way he was like holding the lightsaber and would kind of swat it when they when it was obviously yeah. him versus yeah. the stuff when they cut away. To me, were so 
opposing. Like those two things seem so different. Um, it just, again, I think it goes back to the direction. Like Christopher Lee is a fantastic actor and is, and can understand what the scene needs and, and does it. Ian McDermott is, is more like a classical actor. Not really, you know, he hasn't done like action and things like that. Right. He's not a physical actor. So having a director that can't really get that performance out of him, I think is where it suffered. And, and again, like we talked about, I don't think Lucas really cares. I mean, he, he doesn't like his mind is on the technical side of it and how it's Mm going to look in post, not like as you're filming it. And I think it's things like that that just really stick out like a sore thumb. And really, you know, if again, if somebody could have tightened up the dialogue, could have come in and, and just been a more, a better actor's director, not even a technical director, because I think Lucas is a, is, a, is a fine technical director. I think he's just not, an, he's just not a performance director. T- terrible at directing performances, yeah. and if you watch these behind the scenes, and really, because I mean, we, we can say this now. I mean, we're not bashing George Lucas; he's a genius. Okay, I don't want to feel like we're just. I will cry him. when he's gone. Absolutely, but if you watch some of those behind the scenes documentaries and you see him talking to, let's just say, uh, Christensen, and yeah. you know, he's like, "Okay, I want you to stand over here." But actually, no, no, better yet, stand over here and say it like this, and turn. You see his head, his eyes glazing over. Christensen, like, okay, wait a second, what, what does he want me to do? How does he? He's not good at directing or blocking the dialogue. The when it comes to special effects, right. he's he's the man. He can he can see the CG before it's even there. But directing dialogue and things like that. But since we're talking about that Mace Windu uh, Palpatine scene, real quick, that was also actually rewritten at the last minute. That wasn't supposed to be. Those close shots of them was supposed to be all CG and and it was supposed to not involve really Samuel L and, and them as much as it did. But then George says, "No, wait a second. I want to see their faces." And they redid it at the last minute. That was another one of the last minute change. Did, if do I remember wrong, or wasn't there something where uh, Samuel Jackson said he wanted a big fight? Yeah, yeah. For the yeah, last he movie, did. he and wanted he to changed go out. It? Yeah, he wanted to go out. Um, he didn't want to go out like a punk. Like he wanted to right. go out. <laughs> strong um mm-hmm. and and they were using wire work on him and they didn't look good so they ended up switching it where he jumped out the window le- legitimately jumped out and landed on some mattresses or you know those uh those pads or whatever they are and, and, but to make it look to make it look better yeah and i thought I mean, and it's funny because that whole bit was very quick you know we get this and it's so funny because we get this whole bit you know the the opening sequence which i you know we talked a little bit about a, a while ago i thought was fantastic i mean we get the we we get this epic space battle that really felt like an epic space battle. It's almost like mm-hmm. the the battle he wanted at the end of of the first Star Wars movie and Return of the Jedi. It's like <laughs> he finally got it. You know, yeah, it, was, it right. was it was just you know you felt like okay, this is a war going on, and it really felt like that. And it went on for quite a bit. And then we have the whole thing inside the ship, and them going in the tunnels. And then we get this, you know, the big battle at the end, you know, with the two of them that just kind of went on and on. I mean, it was awesome. But then we get this this point where we could show these Jedi Masters fighting this this Sith Lord, and it should be a little more epic. And it's it's like a it, again, it's so short. It's 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 like you could have pulled a little bit away from those other scenes and made this scene larger to make it more dramatic. And I think you would have you would have kind of felt the the power of the emperor who he was a little better i mean it just seemed like he just you know kind of lucked his way into into beating all these guys 
Yeah, and the fight on Mustafar at the end, I mean, is like five times as long. Oh, yeah. Just between Obi-Wan and Anakin. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, you're right. They, they could have you know, done a little more, you know, a little more than they did with that. But I really want to talk about the, the person who really gets shafted in this movie, and that's Padme. <laughs> Natalie <I> mean, Portman. <laughs> yeah, I mean, her character gets all these really crappy, dopey lines. Mm-hmm. She, you know, I, I, you know, like I said at the beginning of the show, you're, you're going to a place that cannot follow, you know, and then she <laughs> dies of a broken heart. Yeah. I mean, it, it's yeah. pathetic. I'm sorry, it's pathetic. Especially Even with the me. government. With the with the, the whole thing with the government, yeah. and this I know it was a callback. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was kind of a callback with Bush and and oh and, sure, and all of that. But even that, you, even if you're trying to base it on something that's realistic, you would think you'd take more time to make it feel realistic and explain it a little bit better the way that was set up. Because she seemed to kind of just give up. Like you, you establish her as being tough. Yes, she's a tough. As nails a fighter, senator and a princess, and she's like the leader of her whole friggin' planet. Okay, and you, you don't get to be that just by being like this, you know, shy, shrinking violet type, right? Thing. Even in love, even you're in love with the tyrant. Like there's so much character development you could have done with that to I, find out that you're in love with a tyrant. I I really wish there's two things I think they could have done. And, and this is Monday morning quarterback or, you know, mm-hmm. 10 year later quarterbacking. But I think they could have either changed the dialogue a little bit to say she, her, her, she was deprived of oxygen for too long and we just couldn't save her. Like, you know, something, you know, put her in a coma or, right. or whatever that would have, I mean, or she bled out yeah, something like that. Who knows? I mean, it you would know, have made sense. Even, I mean, you're thinking yeah. these people have fairly advanced technology. If they could put a man inside a bottle of liquid and, heal them, you know, in a few hours, they could probably, you know, save somebody's life or have her not die at all. Like have it be a mock funeral. And like, like in the book, like Bail Organa wasn't, wasn't married. So she goes off to live with Bail, and they raise the, you know, Leia's raised by her natural mother. Like she's, she's actually raised by her mother and they just, you know, do this whole ruse thing. Uh, to show that she's she's really still alive. I, I just, I think, or goes into hiding. Or, or, or you know what, they could have made a, a plot when they realized how evil Anakin had become to keep the kids away from him. They could have easily, like, you know, plot, faked her death, and she could have taken the kids and, and, and sped off. Right, or, mm-hmm. or faked the kids' death and just not right, told her. exactly, yeah, you, know? you know. just anything to keep him. I mean, that was the the one thing that I thought made sense was that now I know why Luke was on Tatooine. They're trying to keep him away from Vader and, you know, keep him away from being used as a tool for the empire. I mean, it's kind of, it was kind of um, lame that it was the exact same place that Anakin grew up or whatever. And, and the same name and the same yeah. name. Yeah. Right. <laughs> a, I mean, if you think about it, same step family, you look at the, yeah. you look at that Senate building and how many seats there are. There are hundreds. So, there's hundreds of worlds and billions and billions and billions of people. And, you know, Tatooine is in the outer rim. So the odds of, of it being, you know, it's, it, it's almost like, you know, a needle in a, in a haystack in a, in a group of, you know, in a, in a sea of haystacks, you know, it just, mm-hmm. I, that part didn't really bother me so much. Cause it was like, okay, I get it there. You know, he's in the outer rim. Cause he even makes a point. We have to take them away. So the so they you know the emperor and Vader basically don't feel their in the, their presence. So if if you take them far enough in the outreaches, you know even if they happen to be leading an assault or leading this or that, they're not going to sense it because 
you know, because they're, you know, the, the odds of them going out to this way remote system are kind of slim and none. And as far as the name goes, like, I'm surprised they didn't put any work into that because it seems to me that that's a really, really easy thing to deal with. All you have to do is say that Skywalker is like the most common slave name on Tatooine, (laughs) a a planet full of slaves. You know, make it like, you know, like there, there's, uh, I forget, I forget exactly how many, but even, you know, on our real life planet, there's like five or six names that among the slaves or the freed slaves in the, you know, the 1800s were like super, super popular. Just make it one of those things. Make it, right. make it the Smith or the the Wang of Tatooine. You know, it's the most common name. But whatever. They they don't. He, he already was kind of the Wang of Tatooine. There were some deleted scenes, though, talking about Padme uh, for a second being shafted in this movie. There were several deleted scenes with her and, as Jim calls it, parliamentary procedure. Uh, you see the embers of the – or I should say the, the beginning of the rebellion and Bail Organa has a lot of scenes and she even goes to the to the Chancellor Palpatine and says, we have a group of 2,000 signatures, 2,000 members of the Senate. That shows you how big the Senate is saying, hey, you got to stop this. You got to relinquish your powers, stop the war and you know all that's cut from the movie. Can, can we just take a moment to recognize the fact that somehow Jimmy Smith is in Star Wars – yeah, yeah. That, yeah. That's, I mean, I have nothing, no problem with the man whatsoever. Whatsoever, I think he's a fine actor. It's just weird to me that Jimmy Smith is in Star Wars. It was weird. To he's see a good that. actor. I mean, yeah. It's just yeah. I don't know something about his name. Like his name goes. His name says to me, actor who should not be there. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he was a fan. Maybe he petitioned. I don't know how he got on. I don't there know were a lot story. of that. Yeah, there, there was a yeah. lot of okay. Of, of oh, even like Samuel L. Jackson. But to me, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, that's less weird. Mm. This part is over. I want to be in it. Uh, all of that. I, it was weird. I wonder though if they had, they could have done so much with, um, instead of using Darth Maul in the first one and Phantom Menace, they could have used him in the second one because it looked like the aliens that don't look human were the ones who were rebelling, yeah. and the people that looked more human. Were the, the bad ones guys that were on the Republic side, yeah, yeah, and that would have been an easier way to do it, like having Dooku be the first one, and they fight Dooku and the whole thing, and then he's gone, and then have Darth Maul be running around all those outer worlds, uh, saying, you know, like they treat us aliens like you know we don't matter, you know, like the the human looking people, and and you know the in the books you know that the Emperor is pretty much racist against yes. Um, you know, those, any aliens that don't look like they're human as well. So they could have really played into his own story. Like that was kind of his thing in the other three movies. They could have really played into that. And it would have made sense that the older guy in episode one would have been like, he would have been a Sith Lord in training. Like, right. You know, Mm -hmm. because we know 10 years prior, he wasn't even a Sith Lord in training because he had Maul. So, you know, it's like a guy in his 60s or, you know, late 50s is like, you know, yeah. I think I'm just going to give this whole. Uh, I think they know, kind of shot themselves in the yeah. foot with the whole there are only two, an apprentice yeah. and a you know, master, I, you know, I, I, by setting that ahead of, ahead of time. Yeah. I think they kind of like but you can make it work. Though. Yeah, I thought it was a cool. concept. Yeah, but but it's a cool concept and it sounds cool, but it kind of is limiting. It's, yeah, it is handcuffing. Sure. 
but they, they've had secret apprentices all the time. I mean, you know, a lot of it out Star of time now, but yeah, yeah, that kind of stuff where assassins, yeah, the, yeah. you know, what, what or Asajj Ventress or whatever her name was, you know, all that kind of yeah. stuff. Um, we're just making I like the lightsaber events. lightsaber battle between Anakin and and uh, and Obi Wan was just epic. I mean, they trained for that thing for months, literally before the movie yeah. even began shooting. Yeah. I mean, and they made uh, Caden Christensen bulk up. He had to put on a lot of weight because he was still kind of skinny before they started filming this. So they wanted him to look bigger. Yeah, and yeah. yeah, and they really. I mean, that was all them. For the most part, I mean, obviously, yeah. when you pull back to those wide shots at CG and you're jumping around lava, falling around, but a lot, most of that, I'd say 90% of that is actually them. That's their speed. They didn't fast forward the right. film at all. They didn't, mm-hmm. they're really moving that fast with the, with the sticks. Yeah. And speaking that was just, that, yeah. I was just going to say, speaking of that scene, if anybody's interested in the Mustafar playset, still in the box. <laughs> <laughs> a free, free, uh, four free clone troopers come with it. Just, you know, get in touch. But that really was I'm good. Looking at it, yeah. yeah, yeah. I thought I thought that end lightsaber fight was just phenomenal. I mean, just the like you're saying, the intensity, the speed. Um, you, you know, there was a lot of nods to the Vader Luke fight in that. You know, there's that one where they go down that cramped hallway that's kind of a triangular shape. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. It reminded and me of that. The, there's the one, right. the bit where I forget where uh, Obi Wan. You know, where they're kind of climbing up and you know, kind of hanging off a ledge. Um, you know that 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 kind of has it. Kind of reminds you of of the the Luke and there's a, there's a lot of little nods. I mean, even Obi Wan, you know, he when he jumps down to to fight Grievous in the middle of all those uh, all those droid troops, and he's like, "Hello there, hello there, yeah, <laughs> yeah." Just little you know little things like that. Uh, and God bless it? these actors because this was all yeah. fake. There's nothing mm-hmm. there. Yeah. The the sets. I mean, if you watch it, I'm I'm sitting here scratching my head. It's all green. Yeah. There's what nothing. do you pull on? Yeah. Like a- right. There's nothing. Yeah. It's they may have all right. A ball on uh, a they stick. had a couple of scenes. They had like the interior shot of Padme's apartment. All right. There was some furniture in there. But besides that, that's it. Yeah. I mean, it, it, amazing that they, they they did as good as they did. Actually, if you think about it. That's what's funny is if you ever go on eBay and you see like uh, any kind of auction for authentic uh, film used clone trooper uh prequel uh suit or you know any any bits and pieces they're all bogus because there's nothing there they did not use in episode two or episode three any clone troop i mean they're all he wore a blue suit didn't he uh cody uh one of the clones the main guy mocap yeah yeah they're all yeah he's wearing a whole blue outfit yeah except his face yeah yeah (laughs) yeah so there's no there they didn't make the physical and it you know at, at first you know, when you're watching it in the theater the first time and you're just you're just kind of I, I mean, there is some awe in the fact that they're able to create these worlds and make them as lifelike and these creatures as lifelike as they can in the computer. But when, over time, when you watch it, it just looks so um, so uh, sterile. You know, when you're watching, you know, especially the clone. Tr- I noticed it a lot more this time watching it through than, than the last time, you know, when, when they, you know, do the whole order 66 and they show on all the different planets, they've got all the, all the clone troopers when they kind of, when the switch flips, it, it's yeah. so obvious that they're not like real actors moving around. I think, I think if right. they would have done that now, it may have looked a little, a look a little better. Cause I think mocap technology has come a long, long way. Um, yeah. but it's one of the things I'm most excited for with, uh, with the force awakens because, you know, I don't know if you guys saw. I, I'm I'm not 
digging into too many spoiler things, but, uh, you know, one of the things J.J. Abrams said was, yeah, they had a whole um, dressing room with nothing but but Stormtrooper outfits. Like, there were a thousand Stormtrooper costumes all lined up, all laid out. Mm-hmm. And so when the extras came in, you know, they had a place to, to change and everything. And, and the fact that we're going to see, you know, when you're on screen for the most part, I mean, yes, obviously they're going to be, you know, areas where they're going to be CG. But to look and see... All those stormtroopers, kind of like in the first Star Wars movie, they're all there. Like those are real right. guys or gals. Yeah. Or, well, that's know. his style. I mean, he likes sure. to, to do the physical uh, movements. He likes the he likes for the actors to to feel the moment. Like that's yeah. something that he he <laughs> concentrates on as well as that's why he's such a good director for this movie because he can do great action, but he also likes to include the the characters uh, and their reactions to the to the things that are going on and that's important as well well plus i mean if you look at the original trilogy i mean that universe looked lived in it looked dirty it, it, looked, yeah, used, it looked really dirty know, much yeah. like alien like uh as well did the same thing yeah, it was sci-fi true. but it wasn't pristine and clean i mean before that you know, look at 2001 or look like Logan's Run or the sci-fi you'd had up up until that point. It was all pristine and clean and polished floors and all that kind of stuff. And then Star Wars comes along and there's this like, hunk of junk uh, um, spaceship on this <laughs> dirty planet, you know? Right. Um, just like everything is used and lived in and looks like a real living, breathing universe. It really adds to the, the verisimilitude of it, I think. And, you know, then the prequels come along and it's the exact opposite. You know, everything's back to, it looks just look very, I mean, it's, and you know, CGI isn't, yeah, very sterile. And CGI, I mean, Rush, to make a good point, it doesn't age very well. I mean, the CGI yeah. now and the CGI 10 years ago, leaps and bounds. I mean, look at the first Spider-Man movie, for God's sake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You need proof of that, you know. But I mean, and seeing that JJ is going back to more practical sets and, uh, you know, actual things, like you said, you know, actual stormtroopers and actual armor and stuff. Um, that really does my heart good. It gives me a, a good feeling for these you know, movies that, coming up. That scene where in the beginning where Obi-Wan, where they uh, bring the scaffold down, when they throw him against the railing, and then he brings, Dooku brings the scaffold down on top of him. It's so oh, bad. Oh, so wow. fake. Wow. You could, first of all, he should yeah. be dead. <laughs> yes. He should be totally dead. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it slammed him hard, and it just that makes you eye roll. When you when you watch that now, it's like he should have his vertebrae should be crushed. He should be not walking anymore ever. Yeah, especially not running the <laughs> yes. ships when he gets up. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, that I that that was one of the things on the rewatch. Like even the opening space battle, it 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 went on for a while, but there was yeah. so much good stuff. Like there was a mm-hmm. lot of really cool. You know, it was almost like pirate battles. You know, the like broadsides. You know, these ships. Yeah, firing the two ships cross each other. You know, paths. shells flying yeah. everywhere. You know, you had you had you know ships blowing up and crazy maneuvers and stuff. There was just so much to look at. You know, you could watch that scene ten times and and find something that you didn't see the, the time before. Um, but I thought that whole rescuing the the chancellor and getting out. I thought that thing went on way too long. I mean, they could have clipped that. In half. Well, that R2, they did it. Like, there were scenes he put in because I know he wanted to put in for toys <laughs> sure, and, sure. you know, for kids and stuff, like the shooting oil out of his yeah. body and yeah, burning yeah, yeah. it. And then it was like, why is he fighting robots? I didn't, I st- it still drives me nuts that you want to give uh, a personality to the robots 
when it didn't need the personality at all. Yeah. You know, like when and they the were robots, talking and every yeah. every time I hear those droids go Roger Roger or say something that ain't goofy, nothing. I just yeah, wanna I just wanna stab myself in the ear. I mean <laughs> why are you going ow when when he hits you with <laughs> yeah, yeah. a spark? Like you're not <laughs> yeah. supposed to feel pain. That's the point of using the robots. I don't it, they they should have personality, not like like R two and three PO were perfect in in the right. original trilogy, and even when they used them for the most part in in this trilogy, they, there's personality there. There's 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 something to it, but but yeah, they don't go out of their way to to just be. I, I don't know. I, I think I think that could have been toned down uh, quite a bit. But again, you know, kids love that stuff. Like you take a seven year old to see that, and they're you know they're chewing that up. So you know, I guess some of it's got to be tempered tempered with that Could- a little bit. Can we talk R2 continuity for a second? I mean, obviously his memory wasn't wiped. So he he remembers everything from Anakin being a boy all the way, you know, working through Anakin becoming a Jedi. He was Anakin's personal droid. His memory wasn't wiped, so he was on Organa's ship for about 20, 25 years or so. No, the book he was wiped. And one of the books I think... Okay, I'm talking about the movies. I don't know about all the whole EU and the books. I mean, it's possible... But I know at the end of this movie, they say, wipe the protocol droid's memory, meaning 3PO, but yeah. they kept the astro droid. So shouldn't he know everything? Like R2 well, that should doesn't have mean complete... he hasn't been wiped right. in the 19 years between four. I think in Revenge okay. of the Sith, though, because they did what they did was they did, uh, I think there were three books connecting to, um, it connected Attack of the Clones to... Uh, Revenge of the Sith, and one was with Palpatine, one was with Grievous, and the other one, I think, was Obi Wan's thing. And in, and one of those things, I think they do say that they do wipe part of R 2s memory away. Because in this movie, Obi Wan addresses R two directly. He means talks to him actually, and you know, in in the, in the opening space battle, R two aim for the inner the center eye. I mean, he knows mm-hmm. who R two is. So then we he, fast he forward to Episode Four. Him. Yeah. Right. Well, but maybe he was yeah, doing that to protect selective. Luke. Well, not only yeah, that, right. but I'm I'm assuming R2 units were pretty plentiful. Uh, and so mm-hmm. if you see those things everywhere and then 20 years later, you're probably like, what are the odds this is the exact same droid? Um, okay. You know, even even like with the protocol droids, I mean, same 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 thing. I mean, they're so commonplace, you know. But then again, you think about it, he is obsessed with what happened to Padme and he's obsessed True. with finding uh the you think he'd be obsessed with finding the kids like he doesn't know that they're dead for sure so I th- don't he doesn't he want to know or he's trying to find out if they're still alive or not I guess he trusted the emperor well he thought the kids were dead or Darth Vader were talking about right I mean he thought the, yeah. Yeah. He the, Padme died, they were the dead? kids died with her yeah right Until... and then episode four or episode five actually the son of Skywalker lives or something. Doesn't the Emperor tell him? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, he does. He does. So you would think he would – that would be in his mind at least because those are very – I mean those are the the most important memories and, you know, the, the, uh, those are attached to the emotions that, that drive him. Right. It, but if he thinks R2 his kids and, are dead, like if he thinks Padme's dead, the kids are dead, he's got nothing to cling on. I mean, the only person he can think is maybe still alive is Obi-Wan. I guess he could search the universe for him, but he just didn't even bother. Right, and there was that sense of recognition when he did see Obi Wan. When he sensed Obi Wan, there was that yeah. sense of uh, on four, yeah, yeah, right. I, so, I sense a presence I have not felt in many years, yeah. or whatever the right. one is. Yeah. 
right. since. Yeah. And then there was an emotional resonance when he spoke to Emperor about, uh, you know, his son, you know, getting his son and, and bringing him to the dark side. So he does remember. It's just, we, I don't know. It's like, he, but the, but again, Lucas, it's, he's not a detail guy. It's, it's like he's not, he doesn't worry about details right. as much. Right. As most, so it is kind of. If you think too hard, you're going to find a hole. Oh sure, yeah, <laughs> yeah, or, or many of them. They've started to flesh that out, like in the new Star Wars series. They've fleshed that mm-hmm. out. You know, they did the Dark Horse series did that whole Vader's quest thing. I don't know if you did yeah. you, if you read that. And some of it, it was yeah. really good. It was only four issues, and it was him finding out that the pilot that destroyed the Death Star and eluded him was Luke Skywalker, and how he went on a quest to go f- to go find him. So and that was right after Star Wars. That's funny cuz that's why when I'm reading Vader now, that's basically his first arc of the book. Yeah. yeah. So it felt like I was re- I was like why does it feel like I'm reading the yeah. same thing I've read somewhere before? And it's because it is. It you know. This one's thing. a little cooler not to not to spoil too much and get too far off track, but mm-hmm. he the one thing he does too is anybody that has that knowledge, he is wiping out. <laughs> Like, oh yeah, they die. Like, <laughs> if you know that this is this is this person and that's their name, you're you're done. Um, which, which would you guys have liked to have seen more Vader though in this movie? Just a little bit more. I, I mean, just yes. yeah. Just I, I, yes. I mean, not not too much. I, I not, think it. I think just it, a little. I think it takes you know? it back to I what I really thought going back to 1998, 97ish. I really thought we were gonna get him to turn by episode two and episode three was going to be nothing but him as Vader for that, basically that whole movie, like the, the turn not in the suit though, just him in the suit, like, Oh, in the suit. Okay. Basically there'd be a turn in episode two. And that that's when, you know, basically the third episode is him starting his like reign of terror against the Jedi or whatever. And so yeah. again, I, you know, we talked about this before, but I think casting, having episode one be about a 10 year old Anakin Skywalker, it really handicaps you in telling that story. They had to push it out um, because you can't immediately bring in a new actor and then, and then immediately turn them. And then in the third movie, you don't even see them, but it just, it just felt rushed. I mean, I remember that was the big complaint when episode three came out and everybody saw it. Everybody was like, I felt like he, it was too quick. Like he turned on mm-hmm. a dime. You know, it it didn't feel. I mean, yeah, there are little dribs and drabs here and there, but not enough that you felt like it was just. It was the whole. He had visions. He thought Padme was going to die. The Emperor tells right. him he could save her, and that motivated everything. Like from that point oh. forward, he had to protect the Emperor at all costs because he was the one that had the key. And he well, never showed him evidence that he could save her. Right. Like, that was yeah. another thing that you, at least if he had shown him something, uh, then he could say, okay, that he does have the power to, to save her life. And, and, but go ahead. Jim. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I think it really lacks, like, the, it would have been way more impactful. If you if you know they done it the way you're talking about Russ, because you know it would have given the whole first movie for us to really care about Anakin mm-hmm. and like yeah. sympathize with him and kind of get in his head, and he could have been the perspective character, you know. Uh, whereas you know I guess Obi Wan kind of is. I mean that's one of the things they mentioned in the Red Letter Media thing is there really is no right. POV character in Phantom Menace. 
But I mean, you know, it, I, I think a, a little bit of a stronger actor or maybe more nuanced actor could have really had us caring about Anakin. And then, you know, then when the turn comes, it would have been much more impactful. I mean, people would well, have really cared about it, but like, damn, you instead know. Instead of the Padme with the silliness of never dying, they could have totally did a thing of, I'm a Jedi now and I want to save my mother. Why are you, why are we Jedi and we don't stop slavery? Like they right. could have did a right. whole thing of that. Sure. Like that could have been. It would have shown his character uh, growth a little bit more. It we would have sympathized with him because it, it's a valid question. Like you guys are running around like you're, you know, you're space cops, but there's slavery going on, and you right. don't do anything about it. Like that human slavery, like, no less. Yeah, human slavery. So how is yeah. that okay? Like how is that? How do you call yourself? Uh, how is this a working government when this corruption is all around me and you do nothing like him? I would have loved to have seen him fighting like, you know, like uh, you, you can't get your mother. You can't save your mother. And I, yeah. And then I could see uh, him and Padme um, bonding on that fact of like, why wouldn't he have asked Padme to help him to save his mother and get his mother out of slavery? And that could have been the turn on Jedi. Like the emperor, what if the emperor was the one that saved his mother? Yeah. Or he thought saved his mother and didn't wind up killing her. One lying to him and killing her behind his back. I mean, of course that that would be what he would do, but but still he would he would use that against him to turn him against all of his brothers. And it, and, his Jedi brother. and if he was older, you know, the one thing they did which I thought in episode 1 was great was the character of Qui-Gon because he Mm-hmm. He almost epitomized like the gray Jedi. Like he right. he, he was the hippie Jedi. Exactly. He was the one that didn't believe yeah. that they were in a good place anymore. Yeah. yeah. They lost their way. He was and I think they kind of allude to that, you know, in, in episode two when Dooku says, mm-hmm. you know, hey, Qui-Gon, you know, it could have been Qui-Gon in my shoes instead of me. You know, like like because he he kind of believed that that things were not on the right And then path. imagine if, if Qui-Gon had to kill his own Padawan, which was Dooku, the one that trained with him. What what if he had to kill Dooku? Like, what if they had to fight yeah. and he wound up killing Dooku because of this? He he. What if he kills Dooku and then finds out that um, there is, that he kind of feels that the, the Jedi are wrong? Like, after he does it, he's like, I, I'm doing what the council wants me to do. I don't feel the council is right. And if he's training Anakin and Anakin sees this, right. I could see that be the seeds for Anakin mm-hmm. to be like, well, maybe, yeah, Qui-Gon was right. Like the, you, this thing needs to be wiped out and redone because what you're useless. It? Here's what we do. We travel back in time to like 1996 or so. <laughs> <laughs> We walk into George Lucas's office with a DVD that we bring from our timeline. And we say, "Look, right. this Look, is Mr. what you're going to do if you don't let us help you." <laughs> he'll probably let love him it watch it. Let him watch it, and he'll be like, "Well, this is fine." And we'll be like, "No, you don't understand. This is <laughs> not go, fine." No, no. He'll, he'll, he'll try to make the <laughs> we'll special edition. He'll try to make the special edition right, yeah. right there. Oh, I can ch- fix this and tweak that, right. and okay, yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> but w- one of the things, at least I thought, was that this movie did well was kind of set up the fact that he did bring balance to the force. Like he, Mm -hmm. he wiped out the Jedi and left this, you know, at at this point there's two Jedi and there's two Sith, you know, there's, there's, 
there's Obi-Wan and Yoda. And now, granted, we know from Rebels and, you know, from, you know, other places that there are more Jedi out there. But but at that point in time, it was like, you know, that there are two, you know, two Jedi and two Sith. So he brought the balance, you know, balance, right. at least to well, the Force. Yeah, I mean, maybe true. not so much to the galaxy with the whole Iron Rule of the Emperor thing going on, but... Um, I thought the prophecy was that uh, the one, the chosen one, was going to overthrow the Sith. No, bring balance to the Force. Yeah, he said balance. Because in terms of the prophecy, they didn't think the Sith were around because the Jedi were so stupid they couldn't see that their closest advisor was oh, their biggest enemy. I mean, yes. it, it was and, – and the question is, I, I guess if you really want to get philosophical here is, did Anakin fulfill the prophecy by becoming Vader – or did Anakin fulfill the prophecy by killing the Emperor? It's killing the Emperor. That that, was, that's, that's kind of how I took it. Read it as well. Yeah, because uh, he. I thought the prophecy was he's supposed to overthrow the Sith, destroy the Sith, and he did ultimately. But he became one before he did. Well, I think I mean, that the, was the prophecy was itself is purposely vague because that's how right. prophecies are. Sure. Made yeah. it vague so you can say later on that oh this thing I made up came true. But <laughs> uh, you know it's just one of those things of. Because if you don't agree with the Jedi, you could say he kind of did by cleaning the Jedi, you know, by killing them, uh, most of the Jedi. They were terrible and incompetent. Right. They were incompetent. So that kind of was what was necessary to start over again, you know, by cleaning out the the, uh, arrogant Jedi because they've just been running around. I mean, Mace Windu, he just... Every scene, he just he just looks like he has an attitude. Every <laughs> scene. Well, it is Samuel L. I mean, come on, that's just. <laughs> I know, but wow, that, that's but him. That's just him being him. Again. This ain't no country I ever heard of. Say Sith again. Look at the brain on Anakin. They look at Tatooine. I'm telling you, it. Oh, when Qui Gon walks in, he wants to fight him right away. Like he has that look. Like uh, we are not training him. I said I'm not training. <laughs> he just has that look. Like like what did he do to you? Like can a can he talk? Can he can he? You know. But even What's anger leads to fear. He, fear leads to hate. Yeah. No, stop being angry, man. But even with Anakin, the path of the dark side, you know, he tells him, "We will appoint you to the council, but we will not grant you the rank of master." And and Anakin's <laughs> like, "Excuse me, yeah, <laughs> like what?" <laughs> and then you expect him to be the one that's going to take your side automatically. Like the chancellor's been his boy. I mean, you really think you all you do is tell him no all the time. What if Mace like, Windu? Really, what if he's not dead? Yeah. That was always a thing. Would be like, like he jumped out the he jumped out the window. That's not he could have lived. I mean, yeah. Bell Organa picked still, him up in his convertible. He was driving by and just, just scooped him up. It's like the what if Elvis is still alive? Well, even if yeah. Elvis is still alive, Elvis is dead by now. Like it's one of those things. <laughs> you know? I don't know, man. It's, it's only been, been fifty years. No, you never know. He knows the Illuminati have the uh, immortality treatments. Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe we'll see like Samuel so- Jackson walking around like. Like he looked like in Django Unchained, you know, like mm-hmm. the, the old grave, the beard, and kind of hunched over, and, and have that lightsaber throwing the N word around. Uh, that could be throwing the, sure. throwing the J word around. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I was an MF from Jedi. Mm-hmm. Candyland. I do want to say though that uh, John Williams' score was really on point for this movie. I mean, they're oh, yeah. all good. Yeah, but yeah. this one in particular. He really threw it over the top. I mean, especially with the Mustafar battle sequence, and uh, I don't know the name of the songs necessarily, but I mean, they're really just amazing uh, soundtrack. And then I love at the end when he calls back to Leia's theme yes. when you see her, and, Luke's theme. and then he goes to Luke's yeah. theme right at the end. 
with the, the the twin sunset on on Tatooine. That was just gave me give me some chills watching that. That was great right. that they finally called back to those those themes. Well, three is the one. This movie is the one where he really starts to meld those themes. I mean, obviously, there's the main Star Wars themes and stuff that are there right from Phantom Menace. And but he also introduces a lot of new stuff, and you occasionally have like with Obi Wan or something, or Yoda. You, you occasionally Yoda have has the touches of right. a previous theme. Two, you start to have them sprinkled more and more. You get just a touch of uh, uh, the the Empire, uh, the Empire's March, you know, stuff like that. But it's really in three where those two those two worlds of themes really slam together, and you get some really amazing stuff out. Not to say there's not amazing things and. Uh, musically in one and two, but it's three where you really get to see him play with those two worlds. And right. you're, you're thirsty for those themes at the end. You're like, you want to hear it, but it's like he gives it to you just a little bit at the end. You get oh, a little yeah. bit of that, yeah. that old Star Wars feel. You're like, all right, thank you. And they, That's all we're going to get. Yeah, one of the things I didn't realize filming-wise, they filmed the Tunisia stuff at the end of three. Uh, of the end of two, at the end right? Of two. They, yeah, they filmed yeah. it with two, so they they didn't they knew there this is where they were going to go with the end they didn't want to have to go back to tunisia to to film you know a 30 second spot or whatever so they they just filmed all that then um can we talk about the uh the clones themselves sure how uh it just always threw me how they they just turn they don't really in the movie in the books they do but in the movie they don't really get into that there's a built-in thing that just once they do that code, yeah, that's it. I mean, I I kind of took it as genetic programming or whatever. It, it, they, they, there's a big deal in the Clone Wars where they go into uh, in the in the cartoon where they go into that mm-hmm. hole in the in the one they released just for Netflix that wasn't a part of the the original cartoon run where they go into the whole Order sixty six thing. But yeah, yeah, I mean, I just always assume it was just a genetic thing. Like this was the long con with the emperor. Like he always knew he needed this fail safe, and so there was some crazy genetic switch that he programmed into him. But yeah, I agree. It was it was just like vague and just like, oh, by the way, we'll just do this. It's like yeah, we've been fighting together in the trenches. We're you know, and now it's like oh, we got to kill him now. Okay, and it, it was like it was there was no. Even if they had, even if he had did a, a little scene of the eyes changing when 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 they get the yeah, code, yeah, to tell to to tell the audience that this is not something that they wanted to do. This is just something that was built into them. They had no choice. Well, I don't even know if you need to go that far. I mean, you have scene after scene of the clones engaged in battle. All you need to do is have the Jedi be issuing orders with numbers, execute order 12, execute order 17, and show the clones throughout the movie, you know, instantly changing course of whatever they were doing to execute mm-hmm. whatever that order saying, is. Yeah. And then just have this be an extension of that. But it's one of those set off payoff things, which Lucas doesn't really excel at. No, he doesn't know? care about that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little risky, uh, though. Because what if, what if one of the Jedi's accidentally says sixty six when he meant sixty seven, and then Oops. that's it? Well, you they just take make out. it that there's sixty five orders or something like that. Okay, you don't have to go that specific in the <laughs> put movie. Put a buffer in there, but you know, <laughs> Crime Directive Four classified. Okay, I get it. I'm with you. Or just make it that his voice has to be the one that yeah. sets it off. Yeah. It has yeah, to be the exactly. Emperor's voice. Yeah, you did it. Pre- you did it pretty good, Jordan. That little imitation there that wasn't bad actually. <laughs> At last, we will have our revenge. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've watched enough Mr. Plinkett videos to get that down. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. What about the Wookiees? Did you guys think that was even 
necessary? Was it just fan service? I mean, what did you guys think about that? Well, that scene? was his re- re- Return of the Jedi thing, what he yeah. wanted to do back then. So, mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. The Ewoks were supposed to be the Wookiees. That's right. I it just didn't have the money. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, when they announced that it was going to happen in the movie, I remember being really excited about, oh, we're finally going to see Kajik and or Kajik, depending on how you say it. That's one problem I have with a lot of the Star Wars stuff is there's no correct way to pronounce a lot of the things nope. because they're pronounced multiple ways within the movies, like Han and Han or Kajik and Kajik. Mm-hmm. But we're, that's a side point. Anyway. Um, it's like they're all Americans. I was, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was really excited to see that planet and see them in action and then – it felt like a lot of big wide shots where you don't really get much detail than a bunch of CG close up shots of people running or people in dog costumes running through the water and then Chewbacca for no good reason. Like some of yeah. some of the stuff with Yoda escaping, like I like that. Right. But the actual battle stuff didn't do a lot well, for they me. Don't, there's no connection with any of the characters. They don't give us any time with them before the before yeah. they start fighting. Yeah. And so Chewbacca, you only care anything. about or only supposed to care about because you know who Chewbacca is. But exactly, that's it. exactly. So I, I, I've got to wonder. Like, there's a lot of questions I have for, like, how someone would perceive Star Wars if they watch them for the first time. One, two, three, four, five, six. But Chewbacca in particular would be one of those points that I'd really want to know about. Like. How well, confused would a person be in that scene with Chewbacca, or does it become a oh, it's just a random Wookiee, and then in Episode Four, oh, holy crap, that guy's back! Like, yeah, oh, I, think I that's can tell be. you, uh, yeah. my uh, lady friend, we, when we watched, what we did was uh, she had never watched the Star Wars stuff; she was never into it. She didn't watch it, so we watched in one day. We watched the uh, first three movies, the trilogy. And then she wanted to watch the prequels. She said, I have to. And even though I tried to be like, no, like, <laughs> I want to watch the prequels. I want to see the whole story. So when we the next weekend, we watched the entire prequels one back to back. When she saw Chewbacca, it didn't even like she said, am I supposed to remember him from something? It didn't even <laughs> click in her mind because there's no, there's no other dialogue about yeah. it. To me, he calls it by name, or is yeah. it just that he's got the bandolier? No, he they, he says it by name. Yeah, he says it by name. At the end, yeah. And she heard that, and she said, "Wait a minute, that I'm supposed to remember him from the other movie, right?" And and it was something where I had to tell her, but she didn't really remember it like that. And she just saw it the week before. I mean, I remember Lobaka from the Christmas special, but not Chewbacca. <laughs> Actually, I guess they don't even call him Lobaka in the Christmas special; just Lumpy. But anyway. <laughs> Let's talk about this. Episode three is out. It's done. We've, mm-hmm. we've spent the last hour and change talking about it. Did, at that point, did you guys think, walking out of the theater, that's the last Star Wars movie I'll probably see in the, in the theater ever? Or yes. if, if there is another one, I'll be a very old man, and it'll be because <laughs> some the rights expired or, or Lucas's son decides to do something with it, and they just reboot the whole thing. I thought it was it. I thought it was over. That's it. Yeah, I thought it was over too. Because they did they de stretched that prequel. It just they really weren't that good. Yeah. I mean, and and I think that 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 was the end of it. And they said, okay, we we got the original three, we got the prequel three, six movies. That's enough for a movie series. They're not making any more. But here we are. I said, cue the sad music, and I said, I'll just read the rest of the novels. Again. <laughs> I'll go back and reread <laughs> Legacy of the Force because that's awesome. I, I, I honestly don't remember what I thought because at, at that time, I feel like they had already started talk about like the TV show between three and four, and it wasn't that long after that that they announced um, the Clone Wars movie, which was terrible, but that's beside the point. Um, 
so I, I, I was in that place where I mean, when did when did episode three come out? What year? Two thousand five. Five. Yeah. So I mean, I was eighteen. At, at that point, like there were so many Star Wars books and games, and I'd read so many mm-hmm. of the books that even if it had been the last theatrical film it wouldn't have meant to me that Star Wars was done because I had the comics and the books and the action figures and all that kind of stuff. The movies were only, by the time I got into Star Wars, were only a small part of what Star Wars was and is to me, to me. So I don't know that it really mattered to me all that much, if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah, I was deep in the books by then. Yeah, I, but I'm, so I'm I got, seven. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> that was a war. I was so deep in the books. I I loved the book so much, and and so I just figured this is what I'm going to get, and this is what I'm going to deal with. Like this is this is the case, because he said a lot. Luke, I was so used to Lucas saying all the time, "Yeah, I'll probably go back to it. I'm, I plan on going back to it," and I just never thought it would happen. He kept saying it and saying it, but it it just I just never thought that he would do it. I didn't think he really wanted to do it after a while. No. He certainly doesn't now. <laughs> and and to, to echo back to what I was saying before, not only did I have all those other things, but in my estimation, I like a lot of the books more than the movies, generally speaking. Sure, sure. And so for me, like strong. the movies are really cool. They've got the soundtrack. They've got the visuals. But in terms of actual storytelling, they've always been the weakest to me specifically. So – yeah, it I wasn't a big saying. deal if I got yeah. another movie because the books, you know, yeah. like I think Legacy of the Force was still coming out at that point. And as far as a series, that's still probably my favorite one. I, I'm still mad about the ending, even though I knew it was going to happen that way. But whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm th- kind of excited that it looks like Seven's going to be taking a lot from that series. At least that's what I'm gathering. But you know, that was what got me excited. Was oh, there's a new book that's coming out. Not oh, there could be a new movie coming out. He even kicked me in the balls on in the books because I remember I would read the books and and they were doing the Yuzvong War and I remember um, there Anakin in the books which was the the son of oh Anakin um, Solo yeah yeah Anakin Solo was the son of uh, Han and Leia he was supposed to be the hero of the war and I remember the books were delayed in the middle because when he did the prequels. He decide, He totally said you have to. You have to take that character. You can't use that character anymore. So you have to rewrite that whole thing. So they had to go back and rewrite the whole last part. All the books that people had written. I remember the anger the authors had because all like there were books that were done that were just scrapped, thrown in the garbage because George Lucas for you. Because That's George it. Lucas came in the room and he, these yep. are things he approved and he came in and he said, I'm going to do the prequels and I want that name and I don't want that name mentioned in any other books. Well, wasn't it? And that said, because of what they did to Anakin Solo, opened so many doors with them for, uh, for Jason Solo that I it think did. It, it forced them to have to open that. Yeah. 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 I think by that out. time I was starting to get more invested in the uh, Old Republic. Uh, um, part of the Star Wars universe. Oh, like, yeah, I'd, played, I'd played, you know, KOTOR 1 and KOTOR 2, and I'd read some mm-hmm. of the comics, some of the books there. That's the only really thing thought, I wasn't into as much. I didn't read too much of that. Yeah, the games were incredible. I mean, mm-hmm. I was, that was like the game that tipped my hand to buy an original Xbox, I remember. Yeah. I was like, what? A Star Wars RPG by BioWare? You know, and now it, you can play it on an iPhone. It, it, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, I know. Insert that meme of, uh, you know, Fry, you know, shut up and take my money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, 
But I was starting, by the time Revenge of the Sith came out, I was like, well, that's probably the last movie. But, you know, maybe down the road we'll get an Old Republic movie or, you know, Old Republic uh, animation or whatever. So Or a sequel to the Ewok adventure. Oh. Mm, no, not so much. <laughs> well, I, right now or, I'm this, getting... or a sequel to the, the, uh, the holiday special. I need just... to know what happens to Wilford Brimley's mustache in the Star Wars universe, Jim. That is <laughs> important. Growing. <laughs> I don't know what happens to the virgin. What about the burgeoning love between B. Arthur and Harvey Corman? I mean, that was unresolved. Unresolved. It'll probably resolve in song. And Jar Jar, I um, I'm right now. Every day I get a text in Jar Jar speak because she knows I hate. <laughs> I've seen those posts I, on Facebook. <laughs> she watched my anger as I like. I, I guess I had Anakin eyes. <laughs> when I, when I, every time he would speak, and she was like, "Oh, you really hate that, don't you?" So, when did she start the text with Meet Misa? Meet Misa, this yes, Misa. That? I get Misa in the morning. Misa morning. I get, <laughs> uh, I get a picture of an Ewok. I wasn't that crazy about Ewok, so I get a picture of an Ewok. Oh man, yeah, that, that's cold blooded, man. That's, that's that pretty is, bad. She's cold. She's cold. That is so true. Yub nub. Oh no. <laughs> I, I will. If we're gonna get that in the movie. Yeah, I will say That's this something. though. Watching, so I again rewatching it, and I remember when the Blu-rays first came out. I w- I will say that the episode three specifically, that Blu-ray, is still is one of the best film or movie transfers I I own. I mean, you Indeed. look at that thing, and it is absolutely pristine. I mean, it mm-hmm. is an incredible transfer. Yeah, totally. It is. It really is. I remember all the discs. I remember when it when when they came out, and uh, at work, I, I worked for a library. We had to do the orders for the books for the DVDs, and I remember the shipments came in, and I mean, it was security. Like we had security <laughs> with that. It was like people would try to take them. They were like, no, people were stealing them from the other branches and stuff. We, wow, the money they spent to order those things. Were ridiculous. I think they ordered almost close to a thousand orders of, of, of DVDs. Wow! Of, uh, to to pepper in all the branches because they were they were in that much demand. I remember the holes on some of those DVDs were ridiculous. Wow! But yeah, they uh, it, it, like I said, it uh, I've I've got a lot of you know really good blu-ray transfers but that one i mean they're all good i mean you i mean even when we talk about four five and six we'll get into it and and what a job they did on those transfers but um but three specifically was a, you know the first one that was you know completely 100 percent all shot digital nothing on film um and just well, two you, was as well though wasn't it wasn't two I, also done digital i think i want to say there was one scene that was Done on film, maybe. Oh, really? Okay. I wasn't could be wrong. There, the whole thing. When they were in the boo, when the grass wasn't that not. Was they really in? Weren't they really? In a, well, I'm not saying CG. I'm saying they actually used digital cameras for oh, that whole movie. Yeah. So, and that was one of the first movies that they ever did that with. Mm-hmm. And it, they didn't even have the storage back then. I remember them, them commenting they had to build these hard drives or whatever they had to build to to record these things. They didn't have the technology back then to do it. And they built it just for Star Wars. I thought two was wow. and three were did, recorded digitally. One was on film, but I could be wrong. Maybe two has some film in it mixed in. They did. That's amazing. I thought that with two there was just one scene that they filmed digitally. No, it's possible. But I can't. I mean, I'm trying to remember. 
Uh, Maybe the space scenes or the the end scenes. HD digital. Like the Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, further technology was one of the family behind the use of the HDWF nine hundred developed by Sony. Yeah, Sony didn't Sony build yeah, those cameras for them? Yeah. yeah, they built them just for that movie. They didn't have that technology before that. Now okay. everything's shot digital, yeah. pretty much. In two thousand two, Attack of the Clones became the third film to be released that was shot entirely on a twenty four p digital camera. There you preceded go. Preceded by two thousand one's Jackpot and Vidoke. So yeah, it changed yeah. the world. I th- maybe it was episode one that there was one scene that was shot digital. Like there's possibly because the rest of it was film. Yeah, you could see it one, too. One, but it's funny because those early, even the ones they use in episode three, I think they're only like two K digital. Like they're not, they weren't like super high quality digital uh, cameras. I mean, uh, you know, not like now where I think the new red is like 6K or something like that. It's like super, <laughs> super high quality um, yes. digital. It's amazing. So you're saying that the, I don't have the Blu-rays for 4, 5, and 6. Is it – I mean they're really that much different? Uh, to me, I, I, and I'm, I will I – I've admitted this on the podcast many times, but I am a total <laughs> video snob. Um, okay. <laughs> I, 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 I fully admit it and embrace it. Uh, that's, that's why I'm not a huge – you know, everybody talks about, you know, 4K and, oh, it's all going to be streaming. There's going to be no physical media and blah, blah, blah. I, I still think physical media is superior because unless you just have crazy bandwidth that never hit, hitches, you're, you're always going to have variance in quality based on your bandwidth, you know, constraints at the time. Whereas with a disc, it's a constant thing. I mean, it, it's encoded the way it's encoded, uh, and that and that's the way it is. And it, it, it four five and six look look incredible. I mean, they've never looked better. I mean, they okay. they look right. really really good. Um, and 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 again, they you know they did a lot of things too with the Blu-rays. The the menu system is really toned down. One of the things they did with the DVDs were those menus on all those movies were just like insane. I mean, it would take like it seemed like it would take five minutes for the thing to to, to boot up and get to the point where you could actually like oh, pick a chapter or pick a special feature or whatever. And they, yeah. they totally went uh, slim down with, with the, the Blu-rays. And so they kind of cut to the chase. Uh, but also they're all of the special features are relegated to the other discs. So they used, you know, the, the bit rate is very, very high, uh, you know, which, which yields, you know, very fairly, you know, as low compression as they possibly can get. So you get a really good image. So I mean, they did; they're mastered very well, and they they all look good. But to me, three is like a standout of them all. Uh, and and again, I think it's just the nature of the way that the technology evolved, uh, and the capture was done, and everything else. Um, you know, it just was. It 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 just looks incredible. Nerd. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. So anybody else got anything? I'm Anakin and I'm a person. <laughs> <laughs> Always sticks in my head. <laughs> she still had that little uh, little necklace thing. Yeah. To the end. Yeah. I like how he tried to mack her though. You're an angel. <laughs> <laughs> Ten years old. You said that I was heard creepy. About angels. You're about to get them draws. <laughs> <laughs> Did it hurt when you fell from heaven? 
I'm going to take you home, girl. <laughs> Show you my robot. <laughs> <laughs> show, you my, show you my midichlorians. That's right. <laughs> I am I'm looking forward to discussing episode four, or as uh, Jim calls it, Star Wars. Okay, it's I, called Star Wars. I still say it <laughs> right that way. Okay. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to reviewing Star Wars proper. The, I'm looking the at my VHS tape of it right now, and it says Star Wars on it. CBS yeah, Fox. Star Wars. CBS Fox. That's right. It's part That's of the, right, baby. That's it's it. a three-pack. Is it the three-pack? Yep. Okay. Yeah, I got the three-pack at Half Price Books. Uh, yeah, old school. So I know Do you have the Betamax copy, too, or what, Jim? Are you... No, just the VHS. Just okay. That's so all they have. Okay. Beta was slightly better, so I don't know. I thought maybe it'd be I know it was a superior uh, superior format, but <laughs> it would take, I have way more VHS. It would take two tapes, though. You, you couldn't, yeah, right. couldn't get it on one tape. Because yeah. what was what was beta like seventy minutes, eighty minutes? That was the limit or something with beta. What was the something, something like, like that? that yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah, it wasn't full two hours. Yeah. So we, I know we're all old men. I mean, Jim, Jim, Daryl, and I were were there. I know Jordan, you weren't around to see any of the original trilogy in the theater. You were negative years old. Just, I mean, I saw a New Hope when they when they did the special editions, right. but uh, that's the only time. And then Craig Metaclorian. I was two years old when Return of the Jedi hit the theaters, so no, I didn't see any of those in their first run. I'm with Jordan. I saw, I believe, I saw them in the uh, theaters with the uh, the special edition release. So this will be fun. So I think Episode Four will be fun because mm. I think we're going to have really different perspectives on. Um, oh man! Uh, especially for for Star Wars because it just and we'll get into it next time. But um, I was on my third wife by Star Wars. <laughs> 1977. <laughs> <laughs> Got us all beat. Uh, all right. Well, I guess that's it for episode three, Revenge of the Sith. Uh, check out hhwlod.com. You can check out all the other episodes. Episodes one and two are up and out there. Um, obviously, if you're if you're getting this, you'll you'll hear that. Um, but yeah, we'll be back in a couple days uh, to, to talk to set the wayback machine to 1977. Ah, uh, 77. A simpler time. Simpler time. I want to hear the Star Wars disco. Can we do that? Can we play that song? <laughs> I'll play yeah. the outro I've, for. I've got, I've got the album. Uh, I do too. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Come on. Yeah, by Nico. Nico. Yeah. yeah. I'll have that as the <laughs> outro music for uh, for the episode four episode. That's perfect. That'll be that, perfect. That'll be the outro music. You'd make me very happy if you did that. Thank you. Awesome. <laughs> All right. No, well, at some point, we got to throw in the Bill Murray Star Wars too. Sure. Sure. <laughs> oh, the <laughs> nightclub <laughs> singer. Yes. Yes. Yeah, okay, I remember that. Yeah. yeah right. we at some point here. <laughs> I'm trying to dictate your editing choices there. Else, but, you know. Do it as an intermission. He's got the cigarette in his hand. He's smoking. He's, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. I remember that. Nick Rivers. Nick Rivers? <laughs> <laughs> Just thinking of that makes you laugh. It's so funny. It so, stays in your brain. You never right? get that. Yeah. What if, what if he did a reprisal of that for his... He just got that Netflix special coming up. The very Murray Christmas. Oh, yeah, yeah. That'd be awesome. Get that. All righty. 